Sabbath. The first thing I'd like you to know, and many of you have heard it before, but I've got to say it so that you know that I love you. We all have the same father, right? If we all have the same father, what are we? We're all in the same family. And what do family do? They love each other. Today, we're going to think about rain. Have you been thinking about rain at all this week? It was nice of Florence to come just at the right time, wasn't it? So that when we think about rain and flooding today, it'll fit. But first, I'd like us to sing a song. Because it's one that means a lot to me. Come and go with me to my father's house. We'll just sing the first stanza. Come and go with me to my father's house. And that's the wrong tune. <laughs> Come. Anyway, we'll, let's pray. Father in heaven, make me a nail upon the wall. Fix firmly in its place. And from this thing, so common and so small, hang a great big picture of Jesus' loving face. In Jesus' name, amen. Who spoke the words of the song we sang? Any of the young people? Do you know? Under 15, do you know who spoke the words? Jesus did. Do you know when he spoke them? When did Jesus speak these words? Was he with just his disciples? Was he with a group of people? A big group of people? Well, in the Bible, we, it's called... Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. The Mount of Blessings is where Jesus spoke these words. Now this question's a little bit harder. Why did Jesus speak about rains coming down and floods coming up and some people had built their house on rock and some had built on sand? Why did he say that? Anybody have an idea? He had talked for a long time. I imagine it may have been a couple hours. The thoughts from the Mount of Blessings come from Matthew, the fifth chapter, chapters five, six, and seven. And this comes at the very end of chapter seven. It's the last story that he told. He made a couple comments afterward. But why did Jesus tell them about rain and flooding? Was he really talking about rain and flooding? Was that really what he was talking about? Was he talking about preparation for rain and flooding? 
you know, we've been hearing all kinds of things, haven't we, the last few days about down in the Carolinas, how many people were going to stay put in their houses, and the millions of people who decided that they were going to make preparation for what the storm might bring. They didn't know. The storm might have turned and gone up the Atlantic and not ever hit land. But millions, millions of them made a decision. And so I think this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus knew the group he was speaking to. And what did he say? Let's look in Matthew 7, verse 24. And Jesus, in my Bible, this is in red print. Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him, I will liken us unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell what? No, it didn't. For it was founded on a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell down. And great was the fall of it. Jesus is talking about what he had said, wasn't he? For the last couple hours, however it was long, that he talked to the group there. He was talking about what are you going to do with what I say? It makes a difference. Now in our day, we have a message found in Revelation 3 that comes to the Laodicean church, right? The Laodicean message of, message of love. This is something that God is saying to, to us, just like he talked to the individuals. What he said to them applies also. But this applies specifically to the very end of time, to the last church that's going to be here before he was there, before he comes. And so he says, what are you going to do with what I say? Are you going to follow what I say? Are you going to follow the scriptures, the Ten Commandments? Are you going to follow the Beatitudes, what he has written? Specifically, it's in a, almost an entirely different category in the Mount of Blessings on five, six, chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 than it is in the Ten Commandments. But is it just scripture that we have as the word of God? One that's made a difference in my life and is a much, what can I say, politely, 
much more difficult because I believe what Ellen White has told us is the word of God. And she's taken the principles of love. And she said, this is what it's going to look like. And when I look to my life, there's a lot of things there that kind of I don't want to do. It cuts across my likes, my objectives. And Jesus is saying to us, if you want to build a character that's going to last for eternity, it's got to be built on rock. It's got to be built on everything that I say. And he told this story for a very specific reason for the people that were there. And I'm going to read a little bit to you from Mount of Blessing on 147. It's talking about the group of people who are there listening to Jesus. And it says the people have been deeply moved by the words of Christ. The divine beauty of the principles of truth attracted them. And Christ's solemn warnings had come to them as the voice of a heart-searching God. His words had struck at the very root of their former ideas and opinions. To obey Jesus' teaching would require a change in all their habits of thought and action. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? It would bring them into collision with their religious teachers, for it would involve the overthrow of the whole structure which for generations the rabbis had been rearing. Now notice this last sentence in the paragraph. Therefore, while the hearts of the people responded to Jesus' words, few were ready to accept them as the guide of life. He knew that most of the people did not accept the picture of his father is an all-loving father. They thought that what they had done for years and years was more important in their life than what he was saying. Jesus came to show them how much love their father had. But most of them would not choose to make a change. They thought their own ideas were more important to their lives and what everybody else was doing. I'm going to go back a couple pages to page 143. It talks about the same thing. First paragraph. What Jesus is talking about is building the house upon a rock. And that rock is, is self-sacrificing love. It's not selfishness. Okay, 143, the first paragraph says, but many, many, maybe you and I, 
are attracted by the beauty of Christ and the glory of heaven. But yet we shrink from the conditions by which alone these can become our own. There are many in the broad way who are not fully satisfied with the path in which they walk. They long to break from the slavery of sin and in their own strength they seek to make a stand against their sinful practices. They look forward to the narrow way and the straight gate, but selfish pleasure, love of the world, pride, unsanctified ambition, place a barrier between them and the Savior. To renounce their own will, their chosen objects of affection and pursuit requires a sacrifice at which they hesitate, to, they hesitate and falter and turn back. Many will seek to enter in and shall not be able they desire the good. They make some effort to obtain it, but they do not choose it. They have not a settled purpose to secure it at the cost of all things. That's what was going on with the children of Israel, with the group that Jesus is talking to. That's why he told the story. We read 2 Peter 5 to 10. That's talking about building a house on a rock. That love, self-sacrificing love, is what we may have when we decide, and it's not a one-time decision, every morning, we must decide who it is that's going to run our lives. Whether it's going to be our willpower and our thoughts and our objectives or whether we're going to surrender ourselves to the power of God, to the power of Jesus. It's our decision. I'm going to put a thesis, I guess I would call it, to you. Why so many? And as I look at the end of time, most of this world is going to reject. Even though there's a loud cry, even though there's a people that display God's love, most will reject. And I think it's because one thing has not taken place. Did the latency in church know the truth? Did they know the Bible? Did the people that listened to Jesus on the Mount of Blessings, did they know the Bible? If I understand it correctly, by the time most Jews were 10 years old, they had memorized large sections of the Old Testament. And some of them that sat there had memorized the entire Old Testament. The Pharisees and Sadducees religious leaders, they knew what the Bible said in words. But did they know God? Did they know who he was? Did they know why he was speaking to them? 
What are you saying? And I think it's true at the very end of time, too. Because Jesus says, I can quote, I'm rich. I'm increased with good. I have I'm okay. Is my picture of me. But his picture is what? And he says, I'm not going to go through and describe what he says about us, but you can read it. But he says, you need gold, faith, and love. You need righteousness, the righteous robe of Jesus covering us. We cannot beat sin. We cannot beat the devil. He's so much smarter, has so much time for us. And we try it on our own, it's impossible. It's only as we surrender with our heart because we want to, with everything that we have, that we want love, that we're going to hate sin as much as Jesus hates sin. Don't you think Jesus wants to get out of the most holy place? Don't you think he wants to make an end to everything that's going on here? And have self-sacrificing love be the motive of everybody, the living creature that is alive in the universe? What a different life it would be. It will be. And he wants you and I, as we form this loving relationship with him, we talk about the three angels' messages. And I am delighted with some of the things that I'm told are going to happen in in Adventist schools. But as I look at the three angels' message in a nutshell, and many of you have heard me, I've said this many times before, I think, individually anyway. The three angels' message is a God's last message of love to this world, which we are to say to everyone who will listen to us, the pain, the suffering, the death, the disease, everything that's been going on for so long that that's all we have known is coming to an end. It's going to be finished. And I want you to know it's going to be finished. It's not going to go on forever and ever. People aren't going to die. They aren't going to have diabetes. They aren't going to have heart attacks. They aren't going to have strokes. This is going to end. And eternity is going to follow after it to those who have chosen to let me transform their head brain, their heart brain, their feelings into love, into my self-sacrificing love. I won't force you. You must choose. It's your choice. What motives you want to govern what you say and do every day. Okay, my premise got lost there. Page 100 in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. She says, but when we, you and I, everyone on planet Earth, really believe that God loves us and means to do us good, 
We shall cease to worry about the future. We shall trust God as a child trusts a loving parent. Then our troubles and torments will disappear. For our will is swallowed up in the will of God. Page 105. The very first step in approaching God is to know and believe the love that he has to us. For it is through the drawing of his love that we are led to come to him. The perception of God's love works the renunciation of selfishness. And I got a couple more. 115. One thing essential, Ellen White says, in order for you and I that we may receive and impart the forgiving love of God is to know and believe the love that he has, that God has to us. Know and believe. One of the favorite texts or most known texts, John 3.16. What does it say? God loves us. How many believe it? How many know that? Many know 316, right? How many believe it? Because with what we read what Ellen White says, we read what's in the Bible, we read other things that cut across the things I want to do, my selfishness, my importance, my goals, claim to fame, whatever it might be. It's got, that's got to go. Because we want to obey him. And as we read what the spirit of prophecy says. Going on the next sentence after that is Satan is working by every deception he can command. In order that we may not discern that love. I believe we are going to be learning about God's love throughout the endless ages of eternity. I've said before and will say again now. Every day, try to discover more of God's love. What it means, what it entails. Thinking about this, many times comes out of my heart that I'd say to God that I love him. To Jesus, that I love him. For the salvation that he brought to us, for the love that he gave everything he had. And you know, I've come to the place now that I thank the Holy Spirit for how much he loves me. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit's job appealing to each one of us with God's love so that we will change and so many rejections I don't know if you remember when you were a teenager at least as a guy I was asking a girl out what, what, what's the worst thing that can happen 
She says, no. And if it even gets worse, she laughs at me for thinking that she might have gone out with me, right? How does the Holy Spirit feel? He loves with everything that he has and with everything the Father and the Son has done for you and I to surrender completely that we are helpless. We don't know what to do and say. And says, please surrender everything to me because I will give you a quality of life not only for now, but for eternity. And then I think of another group. I think of my guardian angel who's been with me for a lot of lousy things. Right? Does my guardian angel love me? Does he? Does he want to help me? Does he want to reinforce what the Holy Spirit wants to do and what Jesus is doing and has done and what God the Father wants done? I don't know if you know, but the spirit of prophecy, we don't have time to go in now, but there's an atmosphere of God's love that surrounds this earth just like the atmosphere. And we can choose to live in that love but it's our choice. It's our choice. So the rains come down and the floods came up. Is there going to be a rainy day on planet Earth? Is there going to be a time when the floods come up? And most of the characters and most of the houses that most human beings have built on planet Earth are going to do what? Go splat. I don't want my house to go splat. I'm preaching to myself, folks, in case you don't know. When anybody speaks, they're talking to themselves. But he has given us so much. We're told the hardest thing for us to do is to give up our self-will and our selfishness and surrender completely to the will of Jesus and trust him. As the statements that I read, when we know how much he loves us, when we every day we want that love in our lives and we want to change and to change all the neurons in my, I've prayed so often, change the neurons, just do it, please. But sanctification is a work. How long? Every day. Every day we're alive on this earth. We have to give him permission. And he will do it. He is faithful. For you and I. You and I can hate sin. And can hate selfishness. As much as God does. And when there are people on earth that have surrendered themselves to him to such a degree that he will work in them, use their thoughts, use their hands, their feet, then Jesus will be done in the great, in this most holy place. And he will say it is done and they will be sealed. But we know things that are coming. 
The rains come down. We're not going to go through all of this, but there's going to be a Sunday law. There's going to be laws that say that those who love and have allowed God to transform them into a self-sacrificing love in their character aren't going to be able to buy or sell. There's going to be a time of trouble. There's going to be a death decree. The rains came, come down, and the floods come up. But only those who have surrendered have built upon the rock Jesus, who have wanted that with everything they have in their hearts and in their lives, and trust him for every circumstance, for everything that happens in our lives, we don't understand why. We can't explain it, but we know when we know how much we are loved. We can put our trust in him. That's my prayer today. That each day we will try to find more of his love. Obey him. Obey what the spirit of prophecy says. Want to obey. The desire of our hearts. To do everything that God has told us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We've talked about rain and floods. We've been experiencing that here in a dramatic way in our country. But Father, there's a day coming that you want us to prepare for. You've given us your love and Jesus' love and the Holy Spirit's love and our guardian angel's love. You've put an atmosphere of love around this earth. For us to know that you are faithful. Please fill us. Give us strength. Give us your courage to obey everything you say. That Jesus can soon come. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like us to sing in closing page hymn 100. Great is thy faithfulness. Number 100. Great is faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of change us not compassion they